Okay, Mr. Chekhov. We've got everything you could possibly want in this film. Of course, we've got the old standby, the Chekhov's gun. We also have a Chekhov's rocket. We have a Chekhov's dog. We have a Chekhov's door. We have a Chekhov's candle. We even have a Chekhov's Bible. That's right. We're talking about the 1987 kids horror film, The Gate. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. And it is trunk or treat season where we cover horror films and other horror projects that are aimed at the younger folks out there. And today we are going back in time. I can't say that without uh, singing the song. Um, Oh, yeah. Huey Lewis. Uh, Well, uh, the 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 Marty McFly to my doc, the. troubled kid around the corner <laughs> to my <laughs> to my young vampire miles how are you friend <laughs> hey drew <laughs> um i'm i'm doing great um it so in the south uh fall can always be a little bit of a roll of the dice sometimes it's still 95 degrees sometimes you actually get a legitimate fall, which is what we're kind of getting right now. And it's well, really nice. It really puts me in the season. Uh, uh, at least it, I am up in South Carolina. So down down here in the Atlanta area today, um, I did not wear my jacket getting out of the car this morning when the sun was, it was warmer up. today. Well, I didn't get I didn't get it out of the car out of the car when when the sun was down this morning because it was in the the the, the low 70s. It was like, oh nice no jacket day booyah and then by uh the time the rain rolled in uh it got uh pretty chilly and i was kicking myself for the uh, (laughs) slightly chilly uh yeah it's mid 60s walk back to the car it's it's certainly cooled off which really helps me get into the the holiday season because when we started uh this month you know i was just getting back from vacation i was recovering from covid and all these things it I, I, I'm always in the Halloween season. So let, like, let me preface that. But like, um, this has definitely helped. Um, and like, for for example, this year, I am keeping track of the actual spooky themed movies. Um, I started a uh, letterbox list to list all of the movies that uh, I've, I'm like watching. Um, a lot of horror fans tend to try to like mix it up like they'll watch a couple of old classics and that's mostly what people the list people give you throughout the season because most people this is the only time they really watch most of their scary movies um but i like to watch a lot of the new stuff or it's time to catch up on things and so if you want to follow my list you can uh go to letterboxd and um at miles will save us uh right now i am i think 13 movies strong so far since october nice. 1st you should post a link to that on one of I our will. social media accounts or all of our I, social media accounts i i absolutely will um i I've, i started off with halloween 4 as i do almost every single year um i don't watch i don't watch the first one usually until halloween or around I, I, I need the, i need the listeners to know that miles said that to me as if that would have any any impact on me he's like he gave me this look like i started with halloween four and it's like yeah a hundred percent i understand completely why you do that um no no um, no further uh no further commentary needed because uh, everybody gets it well, Halloween four is actually really the like the first horror movie I remember being not being allowed to, but actively watching. Uh, it was when that pay-per-view channel would have those free weekends. And it was shortly after the film came home. So it was probably about mid, maybe summer of 1985. Or I'm sorry, not I'm sorry, not 1989. So What's I would have been say? about five. Wow, and that, this and that was my first so much. I mean, you know, I've been, you know, into this genre since I was a kid. Um, <laughs> but like like I said last week, I am trying to uh, read a lot of uh, middle grade horror 
as we are progressing into Halloween season. And I am happy to say that I did complete book number one. Uh, so, uh, so are you saying we're going to have a book review? Stole my joke. Hey, so I'm, setting, you, right I'm setting you up. You gave me license to <laughs> I set know, you I know. up for this. Um, yes, um, I am going to do a small little book review. Um, it's a so really good name, by, Tre- by the way. I love it. <laughs> I know. It was great. Uh, by Trevor Henderson. Uh, Trevor Henderson is mostly known as a, a horror visual artist online. He's created a lot of the viral uh, monsters you may or may not have seen, like Siren Head, um, which has been commented on by, you know, Junji Ito and a lot of these Silent Hill artists. Um, he decided to do his first creative project outside of the uh, Mayfair Mayfair. A Watcher Society, which is a fictional horror podcast that he does. Oh, this I don't like Siren like, Head at all. This this sucks. I hate this. This th- I don't like this. It's a really cool design. Yeah, but it's really scary, and I don't. Oh like yeah, it. no, no, it's it's very scary. So he decided to do a middle grade uh, horror book, which uh, I think one of the reviewers called um, a Monster Squad for the Creepypasta Generation, and that's kind of what it is. Uh, this book is honestly, I wish it was a little bit longer. Uh, so the, t- the kids had a little more time together because they don't really all come together until probably like 70% through the book. But this this book has teeth. Um, there are kids who disappear and things happen. And this movie, this book does not really uh, soften that. It's still for that audience. And it's not uh, overly gory. It doesn't have any bad language or any sexual themes or anything like that. It is very much for its audience. It just, it treats its audience with respect. And I really appreciated that. Like it's, I mean, most any, there's no violence really uh, in it. It's just a lot, a lot of it is implied if it happens at all, but it's a really, really good story. I mean, it starts off with this girl who moves to this town where weird things tend to happen. And a lot like of cherry Indiana. Are, honestly, that's a really good, a really, really good comparison. It's a lot like Erie, Indiana, except uh, a little more creepy pasty. Yeah. But yes. Uh, go back to 2021 when we covered Erie, Indiana for. Love that show. I, I don't um, even know if it's 2021. I'm just. No, it was settings further back than that. But it's it's a really, really solid. Uh, good, scary book for kids. I mean, it, it rem- reminds me of some of these 80s movies kind of reminds me a little bit of maybe scary stories to tell in the dark where it's it, it is not pull its punches, but it's also not uh gratuitous and so if you have someone uh in your family or something you know that loves the scary stuff and maybe wants something a little stronger but maybe doesn't need to be watching anything up to pg-13 this is an excellent book for them because i mean this one's put out by scholastic and it's uh, maybe uh, 200 and something pages it's a very breezy read uh, extremely well written. I, I'm honestly impressed by how concisely it's written with how well he uses the imagery. And that was something that I thought was really cool about middle grade writing in general is I felt like I was still getting the full effect of the scene, but I wasn't reading 12 and a half pages of descriptions. You know, like that, that stuff kind of cuts to the point. Um, so yeah, I was, I am really, really thrilled about how good this book was. Um, it Almost fully knocks it out of the park. I, I would still call it a home run. Uh, like I said, I wish there was a little bit more getting to know the kids as a unit a little better, but it's a really, really solid creepy poster monster squad. Um, and for next week, I am going to be reading uh, this, appearing ha- this Appearing House by uh, Ali Milinenko, um, which is a middle grade horror book that I saw being promoted by Horror for Kids about a year ago. And uh, one that seems to have gotten a lot of acclaim. And so I am excited to dive into that. I'm about 40 pages into it now. And it's it's really interesting. Um, and I'm excited to talk about that next week. But this week, we are talking about 1987's the gate which you have never seen correct i have never seen this film so miles uh you mentioned this off air so why don't you give me a little five second history lesson of you and this film this is a movie that i grew up with and i watch every every 
now and then as a time capsule. Like I, when I'm watching this movie, I am a kid again. This would come on HBO and Associated Channels all the time. I rented this movie a lot as like a tween. Um, and it's it's one that if you are of our generation and grew up in the 80s, you and, and were interested in this kind of movie, you probably saw this film. Even if you don't remember that you saw it, like there's often like some imagery associated with this movie, like uh, the weird stop motion creatures or um, the fact that Glenn has an eye appear in his hand. Um, That thing gave me nightmares as a kid. Um, Or the. The all the heavy metal stuff, like all those things were like stuck in my brain uh, since I was a kid. And, And this also, I mean. Stuff like Stranger Things, you know, this is a kids on bikes movie. You've got this like weird, quote unquote, middle class area, which would now be like upper class like that. These houses are like super nice. But like in the 80s, they're like, oh, this is how your average American lives. This is is your middle class American where they left the sports car in the garage while the parents took the station wagon on vacation. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um. But I I've always loved this movie. And this this is an example of uh, a horror film that involves kids. There was a whole movement in the late 80s. Uh, Shutter loves to call it the. Because uh, <laughs> uh, if you read the little blurb, uh, the Spielbergian kid centric horror wave um, where movies like The Monster Squad and Lady in White and The Gate. Uh, came out and a lot of these movies did seem to have that where like you'd have movies about kids but they weren't they weren't like a disney film and this one's certainly not a disney film no no i would i would argue that pretty and pretty strong. there is an amblin aspect to it a little bit it treats its its young characters very se- severely and honestly they, they probably talk a little too grown up <laughs> but i mean at the same time kids like that and filthy mouths in the 80s. Well, it, the, the, the thing about this film, when it comes to the language, there are words in 1987 that I you, you would have like there are a couple of F slurs in this movie, which dates mm-hmm. it to the time period. Yeah, I mean, and that that is something that happens in almost every kid centric like movie like this in the 80s yes now there there is one uh uh there's one s foul language word uh, well and also keep in mind like these words were not as police as much in the 80s i mean you had pg movies that were using them because you know you still had this distinction of this is pg this is pg-13 this is r and language doesn't seem to have been so long as it was kind of it felt more colloquial didn't seem to have the same weight that it would in the 90s and 2000s. I, I I think you're probably right about that. I think there are definitely, you know, like you're allowed a certain number of this and that. And and obviously the one thing wouldn't be said at all. But well, let's let's get let's right. Let's get down to what this movie is about, because I feel yeah. like we can give the, the description of this film uh, as Miles holds up some sort of my, my blu-ray copy some sort of blu-ray copy there it is um you've got the digital background so sometimes when you wave a box in front i know of you, it's, it's super sh- obnoxious <laughs> I, I i i, I, I love having the holodeck but sometimes i'm just like you know what it's not worth it i can't show anything <laughs> so uh this film if, if we're going to describe it is you've got your sort of your trio of of leads uh you've got glenn who is played by a young Stephen Dorff. Man, Stephen Dorff. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, a cute kid. And like, honestly, like finding out that he would later be Deacon Frost is still a little bit of a shock because like he looks more like his kid self now than he did in 1998's Blade. Yes, well, he's gotten a little heavier. Um, well, yeah, but I'm like, and he was, I'm he just had, kidding. I don't, I haven't seen a recent picture of Steven Dorff. I he's don't want to, not that very heavy. Um, I, I doubt he's, he, is. he was, he's really actually shape. in pretty decent shape, but he surely has more meat on his bones than he did in blade. Um, but like, even like 
just looking at a picture of him and Blade, I'm like, that does not look the same guy. Yeah. We're like, I see a picture of him now and I'm like, it looks like that kid. (laughs) I don't know. I could I could see it. Uh, So you've got Glenn and his older sister, Al, short for Alexandra, who uh, is is going to take care of him as their parents go off for three days. Somewhere. Um, Never really said where they're going to be. And of course, this is the late 80s. So it's like, here's the phone number where you can reach us. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and if you need because, again, cell phones didn't exist. And it this it's it's like this is the thing where it's I remember those days and Miles remembers those days. But those mm-hmm. days are long in the past now, man. You know, it's it's interesting because, like, I love when when that's a thing in a, in a movie. I hate I hate when people talk about like episodes of Buffy. Oh, this wouldn't matter if they had cell phones. Well, they didn't. The time wasn't there. So let's not talk about that. Like, I think it's the most not not commenting on you, but I think it's the most boring criticism you can make. It's like that's one of the more fun aspects is like. You, you can't do that. So, so this, what do you but, do? Well, th- but there's another side of that coin, and this is a whole other thing that we could have an entire episode on where I I don't mind that conversation because I think it's it's f- kind of funny, but uh, the it is other, funny, but like the, it, uh, the other is it consistent. But the other side of that is when uh when horror projects go out of their way to overly explain why cell phones don't work in this case that's where i have slight oh yeah <laughs> quarrels with the conversations like oh of course there's no service uh da, 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 da. anyway um so uh yes so glenn is going to be taking care uh, and with the other the other member of our of our triumvirate is uh terry uh who is he lives close enough that he can walk and no one he seems to be able to get home and back very quickly so i'm assuming he lives in the same neighborhood he is glenn's best friend he is also like his mom died and he's apparently had some struggles with that except he also seems perfectly normal all of the time that you see him on screen (laughs) He, he's a character where they want to have their cake and eat it too. Like he's the trouble kid who listens to heavy metal and acts out, but he's also a kind of a normal kid. Like, like you know what? Ways. <laughs> and really cares about his friend. Like this is, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, a, it's, I was expecting more from that. Um, I guess he does kill the dog at one point, but that's a whole other thing. Well, but not, not, not really. Knowingly. Um, so it, but, but so you got these three, in this three day weekend that the parents are going off. And of course, uh, all hell breaks loose literally because the, the boys discover a pathway to an ancient pre society demon hole of some kind where it's like, it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. Uh, it's, it's before, the heavy metal song explains all of it. And I didn't pull any audio from that, but basically. So, yeah. yeah. So here, here's, here's the, the weird part of uh, that. I had forgotten about this is it inexplicably just happens to Glenn and his family in, in one aspect, because he has this nightmare and this, where this lightning or no, when he, he's being chased by uh, monsters or whatever. And he hides in his treehouse. And lightning hits the tree and the tree falls down, wakes up to find out that lightning has hit the tree. And uh, th- there is already a crew out clearing out the the, tr- the the gigantic tree that was in his yard. How this kid slept through all of that is beyond me. So um, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that the lightning's already hit the tree because I didn't clock that. I was just like, why are they cutting down a tree with the treehouse still in it? I was very confused. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it's. It's a little weird and removing the tree reveals this weird hole, which also like if I had like come home or whatever, my dad wouldn't be like, hey, fill up that bottomless pit in the backyard. (laughs) Well, there was geodes in there, man. The geodes. Yes, there were geodes in there uh, that they find that are apparently worth a hundred bucks. AKA demon eggs. Look, when you're talking about a hundred bucks in 1987, kid, exactly. Money, that's like, 
A hundred bucks was no, a no, lot that, of money. That's a lot of money. And I'm like, they were worth that much? Really? Couldn't you go to the crystal shop in the mall and get the same thing? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, but the crystal shop in the mall, those geodes was expensive. That's why I never had one. I just went and looked. Did, were they? I, I don't remember. I just remember seeing them. I don't know how much they were. Because <laughs> you didn't buy one. And that's how that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how you knew how much they were because you didn't have well, one. <laughs> also, I was going to I was prioritizing comics, action figures and video games over pretty rocks. Um, although they, they were very cool. They still are. And I know, I know the ones in the mall now are very Jude's uh, um, rule. I, I think we can all. Oh, Jude's are awesome. That. Actually, we, we bought some from Disney that we haven't cracked open yet. Don't let out any demons. They'll demons. Yeah. <laughs> they'll suck so, you up. So in the Get process, it? Cause, they, cause it's yes, goofy they, demons. They're they're The yes. demons are goofy in this case. Yes. I, I, I picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, go on. So yeah, uh, to, to make a long story short, the, the, the geodes are demon eggs of some kind that they help to open up this ancient prehistorical hole in the ground for the demons to come out, which starts happening as Glenn's sister throws a party, uh, mm -hmm. which she is not supposed to do. She will be 16 uh, in uh, what was it? Two weeks is what, is that what she said when, when, when I think so. Yeah. You know, something like that. Um, and of course, she's got a whole bunch of high school friends who have really nice cars and all of this stuff. And uh, and weird stuff starts happening. They try to do that. Uh, they don't call it light as a feather, stiff as a board levitation thing, but they just say but they say it, don't they? They say levitation a lot. And then, of course, they make Le Glenn levitate to the point where he destroys a light fixture. Um, mm -hmm. Which is uh, also a scene that I remember from from childhood. I think they do say light as a better stiff, light as a feather stiff as a board, at least once. I I, I, did, I don't know. If, I, didn't I don't know if they chant it, it the but um, but as as part of this, we are introduced to a couple of other characters, like the Lee sisters, um, who are uh, one of which has the most unfortunate eighties haircut I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, so I, I'm glad you bring up this up because. There's a there's a lot of pushback on current 80s things like, oh, people in the 80s didn't dress like that. And then this movie clearly points out, yes, they did. <laughs> 100 percent. They did. They also um, speaking of the of the Lee sisters, they're 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 worried about uh, at one point demons uh, coming to the house and the doorbell rings and Tara's like, well, demons aren't going to ring the doorbell. Lee sisters walk in and Glenn's like. <laughs> Guess again. <laughs> what? What? It's got bars. This this kid can insult. <laughs> yeah. What was that? There was there was a a, th a thing with him and the Lee sisters where she's like, eat oh, my suck feet. my nose, <laughs> suck my nose till my head caves in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is some eighties stuff. It's like I no, almost, it's one hundred percent very eighties, but like at I, the same I, time, like I almost started well this done. episode with an orbit gum styled, like lint liquor, like whole thing with this stuff. Um, another thing about this film that I feel like we need to talk about is that Glenn and his sister are, I'm just going to say it obsessed with model rockets. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, it's the one thing that don't explain, but they they it's something that they bonded over that they loved doing at some point in time. Uh, Glenn and has NASA like astronaut patches on all of his clothes, and he's he's yeah, very I mean, and into it's, that stuff. And the, and I, the well, idea, what I like about the story is the, that well, and the idea is that his sister was also into it when they were younger, or when she was younger. Right but now that she's become a a cool high school student, uh, they you know she's kind of getting out of it, but. Like she's throwing away all her old stuff and he's looking for this rocket that they used to launch together and he can't find it. Turns out she kept it. It's still it's still in the house. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, anyway, um, I, I actually I want to skip forward to some of the cooler stuff in this film else, because yeah. to make a long story short, the the demons come out, they do some poltergeisty kind of things they make things come to life. They there's a weird zombie man at one point. Uh, but the the little demon minion guys themselves are super cool because. They, oh, yeah. 
So they, they use some really, really clever cinematography to make this work. So these and good stop motion, a good stop. Well, so that because it's both things. So these guys are are like a foot tall. But when they focus on them, they move because they have dudes in suits that are doing this. And then when you zoom out, they also have stop motion of the same things. And it's very hard to tell what is the stop motion and what is the guy in the suit. And they play it so well for those guys in particular. It works really, well, really well. So Randall William Cook, who did the special effects for this movie, uh, worked as an animator for the Terror Dogs and Ghostbusters and is a three-time Oscar winner for the special effects in Lord of the Rings. That this so, is answering so many questions. <laughs> so he, I mean, he was obviously his team won, but he he shared it with the rest of the, the other three members of the team for Lord of the Rings. But um, the fact that he's got three Oscars under his belt for for visual effects, as well as working on Ghostbusters, and I think Peter Jackson's King Kong as well. Um, would make sense if he was working with Weta in any capacity that they would work. Yeah. With Peter Jackson. So the fact that like, I mean, honestly, when I when I rewatched this and before I re, uh, uh, reminded myself who did the special effects stuff uh, or was the special effects supervisor, like I, I, I was feeling the same way. I was like, wow, this this stop motion's kind of flawless in a lot of these scenes. Like, I mean, barring this is a movie from 1987, but like it's not as janky as it is in a lot of movies. Hmm. I agree. Um, to talk about some of the other uh, uh, people behind this film, I do want to mention, uh, I'm going to butcher this gentleman's name, uh, Tibor, which uh, I knew a guy named Tibor when I worked at a company a while back. Ta Takas. It's a yeah. Hungarian name. He's from Budapest, but, um, he directed this film. He is known. Mm -hmm. He this dude has so many directing credits. He is doing yes one or two films a year. A lot of them are TV movies. A lot of them are are. Uh, hey, but he he directed the original Sabrina movie well, that became was, the TV I, show. I was getting <laughs> to that. He directed the Melissa Joan Hart Sabrina the Teenage Witch TV movie that predated the the uh, TV series, and Michael Nankin who uh, uh, wrote this film. He has written a ton of stuff, including mm -hmm. writing on uh, writing and directing on Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. Like he does a lot of TV directing and a lot of, of TV writing. Um, so so there's there's a lot of. A lot of a lot of uh, a, a lot of, you know, not necessarily people, not other people that would go on to win Oscars and things like that. But yeah, because I, mean, I, I was honestly I thought uh, um Chris Denton, who plays Al, was pretty good, but she basically she stopped acting after like 90, 91. Like yeah. she and she did a couple things, but she just didn't. And this happened with a lot of the kids from that time period. Some of them just stopped. But some of them kept going like uh, uh, Kelly Rowan, who was one of the Lee sisters. She mm -hmm. was a, a recurring character on the OC for 90 uh, something episodes. Yeah, she's Kristen Cohen. She's she's mama cohen in the oc she's a major part of that movie that, that's what i know her from really I, um it's I, so funny to see OC. her oh gosh i love that show so much um, I've, I've seen the uh the the uh the lonely island the boo spinoff or the boo parody uh but uh yeah i mean everyone everyone's seen dear sister which was making fun of the use of the image and heap song in the oc what you say um Jennifer Irwin is uh, also the other Lee sister who has done a ton of TV acting. Uh, most recently, a very recurring uh, role on uh, the Goldbergs, um, as well as uh, Superstore. Yeah, I saw that she was on Superstore, but I couldn't I, I, I didn't look into the character, so I didn't recognize whether what, what it was. She's not a major part. I mean, she and she and in, in the Goldbergs, she's just like one of Beverly's like group one of her best friends but she appears a lot as as gen z and amazing comedic comedic timing honestly probably has done the most consistent work other than steven dorf from this movie um, i was gonna say it's hard to argue that steven dorf isn't the, <laughs> the well yes obviously you know you, you don't do something like blade and <laughs> and i mean and he has 
plenty of decent credits. I, th- I actually, I, I think he, he's in a season of True Detective, isn't he? If he is, it's not I, one that I saw, but I only watched the first season I, I, of True Detective. Yeah, it's the third season of True Detective that he's in. Like he's, I mean, he's a solid, he's a solid actor. I've always liked him, and he, he'll pop up in things um, to this day. Um, sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're not as great. Um, it was really fun seeing him in the well, fun's a weird word, but uh, the Kid Ninety Doc direct, uh, documentary, which is phenomenal. If you haven't seen it. I I've heard uh, about what is some of the content in that. And as much as I want to watch it, I know it's going to mess me up and I don't. Oh yeah. No, you, you, you will cry for sure, but it's, it's a phenomenal documentary. It's a great time capsule. And honestly, like I loved it. I'm not looking to rewatch it soon, but it, it is a, it's a good experience. Uh, So as we, as we get down to it, um, I will have to say when it comes to reactions to this, film yeah yeah that's what i'm most curious about because so last week i kind of complained um that tower of terror kind of lacked a little teeth uh so that's one another reason why i wanted to bring up uh the gate because it's a little bit more of um a horror film in a a sense and 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 it definitely is so uh, the my main uh, my main uh i'm gonna call it a criticism um okay uh, is that they do because I do not think this movie is perfect, by the way. So no, I'm not I, I figured that I figured that. I mean, th- you know, if this movie was perfect, I'd have heard about it before last week. But um, it takes a lot to get this movie started. We are spending 45 minutes of an 85 minute movie just doing Mm-hmm. you know 80s kid stuff and which i think is why i don't mind because i grew up with this movie like i'm i'm soaking all that in you know and like i love the house that glenn lives in i i love like everything that's happening but i also think you're a hundred percent correct it does take a while for this to get started and similarly as much as i once it gets started it gets started fast and it goes <laughs> full on and I'm into it. And then they give you what seems like it's the end of the movie. And you look at the time code and there's 30 minutes left. You're talking about the first showdown between the giant demon and Glenn. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about when, when they are outside in and Terry has fallen down the hole in the backyard and they are, reading quotes from the Bible and they are trying to pull him out and trying to get him in. And then Terry throws the Bible into the hole and everything catches fire. And the, the day is saved. And we still have 25 minutes of the movie left. And it's yeah, like, I was gonna say, that's about, that's about 40 minutes in the movie. Keep in mind, even though you say this, like it seems to take a long time to get started. This movie is a very brisk 85 minutes long. It is not a long movie. Uh, it feels long in certain parts, but that's just because they That's they, they do a lot of setup and then there's just like so it, it but then it felt like the movie ended but the movie wasn't over and I don't feel like I don't I don't feel like I got a full enough explanation as to why they didn't accomplish their task but at that point we've got so much other stuff going on well, and t- so much Terry mentions they're older on. than the Bible like and even though it has some effect all it does is kind of piss them off yeah um so then we have the then we get more into like I I I I was thinking about Poltergeist watching this movie because Poltergeist would have been what was that movie? Yes, eighty eighty four I think is when that came out. Not, Let I'm me double sure. check for you real quick. The house the, the house reminds me of Poltergeist eighty two. Uh, so the house reminds me of Poltergeist a lot. Yes, um, like the style of that house. I wondered for, for a couple of minutes if it was the same house set, but then it became obvious that it wasn't. Um, but when no, this the, is a real home in Toronto, well, or at least some of it was before they dug a big hole out of the ground. In the middle of it. I don't know. I just meant the set. The set was a real home in Toronto. They yeah. they, they did make a uh, an exterior construction and stuff, but they, they did use a real house for a lot of the shots and interior scenes. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly kidding when I talk about it, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a thing where when the big monster comes out, because there was a part of me, this entire film that wondered if the demons 
were bad. So interesting because when they, they don't like they, they, they don't outright attack anybody except for the one time that they do when Terry falls into the hole and they start biting him and don't draw any blood. But they seemed to they seemed to me in watching this at first to be a little more playful, to be a little more like they were looking for a leader in these kids and the kids were like kicking them around and doing stuff. And it was it was the one of the most interesting things that I feel like I didn't get any payoff for. Because it was such an interesting moment that was then completely discarded. You have the gigantic two story head demon that looks at Glenn after after Glenn's sister and best friend have been potentially sacrificed to to whatever and Glenn is trying to light this rocket to shoot at him and he just looks at him and he picks him up by one hand and he pats him on the head and he leaves him and then disappears and it's like, what is what is that scene? What yeah, is that? I, think that I, think, I, I wonder if there's some uns, uh, unsaid thing where like maybe the people who or the person who calls the demons forth is gets some sort of preferential treatment, even though when the, the demon pats Glenn on the head, like he also like infects him with something because he, get, he gets the eyeball growing out of his hand, which like as a kid, like that scene like popped up in my nightmares several times. <laughs> um, like that specific scene, uh, and because this, this again, this movie takes its horror very seriously, which I appreciate, even if it's just using some stop motion stuff and some special effects uh, for makeup. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there is a lot of this movie that, that seems to not make sense. And maybe 85 minutes should have been 100 so that we get a little more, a little more meat on the bones. For yeah. sure. Uh, but if they um, if they had done that, they would have had the whole scene where the sister goes to the beach and, you know, yeah, probably get. probably or the mall. There would um, have been a mall so montage as as a, a kinder <laughs> what, what people in the horror industry love, love to call kinder trauma uh, films. Uh, <laughs> another term for horror for kids. Um, a lot of retrospective uh, reviews uh, kind of paces at like if you want to get in touch with your inner 12 year old and this was obviously for people our age um would you gauge this as 12 being maybe the right age for this movie uh, you're you're a parent so i'm kind of more curious about what you think about this as a horror film being experienced by uh you know no, my kids. kids so so here's the weird thing about this film I think my kids, uh, you know, my my son is will be 12 in December. My daughter just this past weekend turned nine. So we're talking middle grade like my son mm -hmm. is practically Glenn's age. The thing about watching this film with them is that because it is so old, I would have to <laughs> pause the movie so many times to explain <laughs> Yes. What the state of the world is, because this is something that I've noticed a lot, you know, because because Miles and I are are millennials. We were born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s and elder we, millennials. We were the, we're the millennials that our backs kind of hurt. <laughs> yeah. Or the rest of us all the time. But mm -hmm. um, but there is this idea of media literacy that we had that I feel like we are the last generation to have. And when I say this, and we've talked about this, I think on this show before, but you know, we record so many episodes that I don't remember what I say any times, but that like we grew up watching like this, this movie came out when I was three, three years old, but I have Same. all of the context for what this movie was. Because I may not have, uh, I may have been three years old in 1987, but when this movie aired on a, a TV network in 1985, right. I watched, I had seen in the past, in 1995, excuse me. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but no, it, it, it aired on TV, like, I mean, probably from like 1988 
295, like ad nauseum. But, I saw but, this movie but, all the time as a kid. But what I'm saying is we we didn't grow up. We grew up with the Internet because the Internet came out when we were right. in middle school, basically. But even around that, you weren't getting video. Everything we watched and consumed that was that was video entertainment was through the focus of what was on TV, what was on VHS tapes and what was in theaters. And so much of what was on TV, obviously we weren't making the schedules. They just put on what they had. So I have this, we we have this context for stuff going back to like, you know, I, I love the show taxi. Mm -hmm. My kids, I'm, I'm, I'm not the age demographic. You're you're too young for taxi. We were too young for Taxi, but we know what Taxi but we, is. But here's the thing is, you and I grew up in, in a time where Nick at Night, which was Nick, like before it was on its own station, was Nickelodeon After Hours, would play all these old sitcoms. And if you were up late or couldn't sleep or whatever, and you're watching these shows, you'd watch Taxi and Happy Days and all of these old shows. Uh, White uh, Shadow. Uh, Get Smart. Uh, the Dick Van Dyke Show. Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. Dick Van Dyke was at Disneyland last week and was videotaped or videotaped recorded a video on someone's phone of him watching the uh, the the barbershop quartet singing a song from Mary Poppins. And it was like he's just having a great time. And and, that's cool. It was so cool. I love Dick Van Dyke. He is a national treasure. And I hope that me saying this doesn't mean terrible things for him in the future, because He's, he's he, he is he, he is not young <laughs> he is not young that dude is in his 90s um but but yeah so so i say that because uh, it's it's one of those things where i i wouldn't always say this about about projects but this one in particular feels very much of an era that where where we you know we're totally fine with it because we have this broader breadth of experience and stuff Kids today don't have that. And I guess the closest thing they get is Stranger Things, which my kids have not watched because I think it's a little too much for them yet. My son is probably closer to, to being able to watch that. But that that I guess that's what I'm saying. Like there are period pieces that have broken through, but I think they've broken through because they attack they they are directed at the parents to watch with their preteen teen kids. And this one, I I wonder where it skirts that line. Um, I'm an elder yeah, millennial, so I, also where I would lost love to have. Uh, I probably should have reached out to like uh, some some people who were younger in the industry. That that would probably they do a lot of podcasting stuff like Gory Corey, which I know is not a name that you're familiar with, but she was a teen correspondent for Fangoria for several years. She's no longer a teen, but like I, it would have been interesting to have someone younger, like give their their outlook on a movie like this. Obviously, because like any any movie, like anyone can watch any movie from a given time and kind of vibe with it, um, if if they choose so. But but it being a kids movie from the or a, a kid centric horror movie from the eighties, I am very curious. Like there are movies that I feel like kind of supersede that. Like I feel like a kid can watch The Goonies and figure it out. I mean, it just, um, it just depends. It's like there are some, but this, like- but no, but this one's a little different. Like why can't they call their parents? Like why, why, why this? But there, there are a lot of like certainly a lot of questions that could be asked of this movie. I do agree. What I'm more curious about is, do you think outside of the generational part where like they might have questions about the 80s because they're the 80s, how do you feel about the horror in the film? So it's it's weird that there is so much light cartoony horror. Like mm-hmm. the little the little minion guys are biting terry and it's not even drawing blood and he's throwing them off and all of that and then later on a demonic version of terry with rat teeth busting out of a bag in a closet gets a barbie doll's leg stabbed through his eyes and you you see that body horror moment and it's like that's that's the wild thing is that it's it's like it's 
there are two levels to this movie. There's down here, uh, which is this is a, a visual reference uh, for everybody down here. You're going to know. And then up here. And there's not a lot in between. It's either down here or it's up here. And so that- I have a theory about this. Um, PG-13 was about three years old when this movie came out. And so I feel like they were purposely going for a specific demographic. They wanted to get that PG-13 rating. So they knew if they did X amount consistently, they could skirt possibly to get that R rating. So if they only did a couple of scenes that were intense, where you had like scenes that were like, oh, it gets bit, but it's not that that bad. But like that way we we can afford to like this scene can be intense because the demon didn't like gnaw off part of, you know, Terry's shoulder. If, if that makes sense at all. It, it does in in a in a weird way. I think I, I mean, it, it's it seems like a product of its time. And I also yeah, wonder and movie if, politics are really weird. I also wonder if maybe they were aiming for a different demographic. I mean, like you just basically just said that, like they were, you know, they were aiming for a different demographic and seeing what they could squeeze in. Like, this is one of those right. things where it's it's it's. PG-13 is in its infancy. Like that, so they are kind of pushing, can we do this? Can we do this? Will we get a PG-13 if we do this? That's why no one says the F-bomb, but they say plenty of words that were all in the Goonies. Including, as I was recently told uh, today, the hard R. Um, <laughs> the, it, so, yeah, this is... This yeah, is because most normal people know what a hard R means. And like, I knew what you were referring to, but I was also like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So there, so this is, I, I work in tech as a profession. So I, I don't wa- follow a lot of tech bloggers and tech YouTubers and things like that, but I, I have to explain this because I think it's hilarious. Um, there was a, a tech blogger who was using the term, the hard R thinking it was a term that is no longer used for people who had uh, mental difficulties. Um, That's what he thought it meant and was broadly proclaiming that I used to drop the hard R all the time. I used to do this with the hard R and that with the hard R. And meanwhile, his co-host on this podcast is you see his face saying, Am I about to lose my job? Am I about to lose my livelihood because this guy doesn't know what the hard R is? Or is he admitting to using this very terrible term that is right. way that is even worse than the term that he thinks it's for? Um, look it up. It's it's very, very funny to me who doesn't know anything about the people that were involved. And if you don't think it's very, very funny, don't worry. I didn't either. <laughs> it's. it's I, one I, that, I was like, I was like, both these guys seem insufferable. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, I will um, also say but the video. The, but the, the, the conversation video. is humorous because his reaction is like, now, and, like and, bug eyed. <laughs> and the versions of it that I had seen that I did not link you were the uh, the ones where it pauses and zooms in on this guy's reaction as this happens, and it's very, it's 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 interesting and funny. Um, yeah, uh, know what you're talking about before you say things on the internet, gang. That's 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 what I'll say. Um, but yeah, uh, Miles, let's uh, wrap up our conversation on the gate. Okay. Did did, did, you, did you want to lead off with that? Or I mean, I, I figured you were gonna say something about it, like we normally do when we wrap up these conversations. Oh, okay. Um, so. Despite we're, any we're professionals, any, guys, I know I know it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but we are just <laughs> been in the game for so, a long time. <laughs> so for me, I think the the gate is uh, uh, really good gateway horror. Um, I, 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 I know you didn't want to use gate and gateway. I, in the I same know sentence. I didn't want to use it either because it just everything about that sentence just made me cringe. Um, but but it absolutely is. It's a, it's um, it may be from from my time so i'm i certainly have some rose tinted glasses towards it i would be interested to see what a um a tween or something might think of the movie now um i feel like there's enough there that it would still deliver but i i don't know this could be a lost product for me um but i do i do like the fact that this movie does take its subject matter very seriously 
um i remember thinking as i was watching this movie uh how silly it was that oh this this vinyl record this kid has has a whole book in it. No, no one does that. And then I think about the birthday present I bought for you a couple of years ago of the Macross vinyl that does have a book in it. Full book, yeah. It uh I have it and uh, I was gonna say I, I was looking for it behind me, but it's not behind me because it's in a special secure location. Um <laughs> that's code for I'm not sure where it is. <laughs> no, it's 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 over there. I just didn't want to keep no, it. I'm I'm, te- I'm teasing. I don't no, keep I, it out. I, I, I want remember, to keep it secure. I remember look I remember looking at it before I sent it. I'm like, oh, there's this is cool. There's a whole book in here. There's a whole like like I think it's a like character dossier and all this stuff. Um and then I shut my mouth because I was like, oh yeah, they some some records did have like full-on books. And so I mean Gosh, I don't I don't know. This is a movie that I gush about a lot because I grew up with it and it was a it was a formative horror film for me because it did have teeth. It had it took the horror seriously. It was for a certain age group kind of scary because that stop. There's something otherworldly about stop motion. Anytime I see it like it because it's a physical thing on screen, it does make things. Weirder and. And something about stop motion, especially stop motion mixed with reality, um, always works for me. And this this movie is probably why. Um, this movie does have a lot of plot holes. It's, I mean, eighty five minutes long. The, the, there is a very specific hole that the plot surrounds. So there's a huge plot for hole. sure. It's, it's in the backyard. They try to close it. But but I think this is a quintessential eighties kids horror film. I think it ticks a lot of the boxes. I think th- there are some sp- certain scenes, including the like the relationship between the brother and sister that I think that Stranger Things 100 percent got some inspiration from. Yes, this this one thing I'll add to that is that the relationship between Glenn and Al like there it's it's, you know, tough. It's at Nancy first. and Mike. <laughs> it's Nancy and Mike, but then it's Nancy and Mike. Like when the, the when the the stuff hits the fan, Al gets behind Glenn the entire way and they yeah. are super close and a team. Yeah, and I, I like that. I, I, there's so much to love about this movie and it's, it's one that I, I feel like, you know, as a horror fan, it's weird. Like, I think I even mentioned this when we did our first trunk of treat, like, Oh, I'm not going to do the gate. Cause it's so obvious. And I've kind of learned that, Oh, things that I think are obvious are not. Yeah. I um, never, I, if you had asked me if I'd ever seen the gate, I'd be like the gate to what I've never well, heard. Of and this and movie that's what before. I wanted to ask you. Ha- had you possibly seen this as no. a kid? Like did any of Not this look familiar to you at all? No. The wow. only thing that looks okay. the the only thing that looked familiar was Steven Dorff and that's because I've seen other Steven Dorff movies. <laughs> Otherwise, none of this looks familiar. <laughs> all right, I, I, all know, right, all right. It is it is interesting that you said that the guy uh, that did the special effects also worked on the Ghostbusters because I can see a lot of creative DNA between the demon dogs in Ghostbusters and And the, those creatures and the creatures. For sure. Uh but uh but yeah, otherwise no idea but yeah i i think this is a, is a really really good uh kids horror film it's certainly a good like hey if you want to test your kids boundaries a little bit without terrifying them too much this is probably a decent one to start with uh in terms of like oh our kids you know 10 11 we, we've hit this this point let's see if this is because i mean there's not a whole lot of like really dark stuff other than the actual demons so um drew what about you how do you uh, feel about this movie i mean it was it was I'll be honest, it was it was testing my patience to a certain point. And then once it got started, I was I was pretty into it until until the end. Um, This is this is true of a lot of. 80s era stuff in particular, where they do a lot of setup for stuff that doesn't always get paid off, but oftentimes does get paid off. It's tough to say with that, but like where they spend a lot of time just being in the eighties until, you know, something, the trigger happens. And then it's like the, the, the thriller horror movie excitement, whatever for the rest of it. Um, but once it got started, I was, I was into it and enjoying my time. It was, you know, Steven Dorff as a kid, actually pretty good in this film. I think all the kids are pretty good in this film. I liked, I liked a lot. Yeah. Like, really, really solid kid cast. We didn't talk that much about that, but I agree. Uh, I, I wasn't as into the other younger actors in this, the Lee sisters. I didn't like as much the, the, the dude bros that were hanging out with them. I didn't like as much. Um, but our, 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 
our principal three characters I was I was pretty into. Um, and yeah, I just I, I don't know if I will show this one to my kids just because there's enough like sudden body horror. Like and that's that's the thing. It's like I look at this and I think, oh, my kids would enjoy this. My kids would enjoy this. There's a Barbie doll sticking out of a child's bloody eye. And now the dog's back to life. So that's fun. Um, yeah, uh, they killed a dog in this movie and uh, had a dude carry the dog's dead body around for 45 minutes before the yeah, dog was the, the, suddenly the, the, randomly the, the, alive at the end. The not boyfriend character is 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 a typical 80s D bag. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that. The body count in this movie was uh, very low. Uh, in fact, it was zero. The body count was zero, which I suppose is uh, all you can really ask out of a, a kid's a kid, a kid targeted horror movie. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I had a fun time with this. I feel like this is not something that I would show my kids necessarily because there'd be too much to explain. But if you have never seen this and you are in your 20s or 30s, this could be a fun, light experience uh to 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 get into it's on shutter by the way we didn't talk about this it's on shutter it's on shutter it's on i think uh a lot of paid or not paid but uh ads supported services um i remember seeing it's on tubi voodoo uh i think on prime with ads as well as plex um but yes it is on shutter if you are a member or amc plus which amc owned shutter um i don't think i knew that so it's interesting i think it's free with ads on youtube as well yep just started that up um so i mean if if this sounds like something that you might want to check out or if if hey i missed this movie when i was a kid or i just missed this movie when i was a kid then i would recommend it like i mean it's it's not gonna like shake your world up but it's a pretty solid movie it's I, I certainly think it might be one that like if you grew up with it it may be more important than most but i have seen it referred to a lot by a lot of genre people as a, a, a really good kinder trauma movie um to start off with so let let me let me know what you think i i'd be very very curious to see if like any of these trunk or treat movies have resonated with folks who may not have experienced them before um I was looking real quick to see if anyone had emailed us about it and no one. Has. Um, but yeah, let's talk about next week, Drew. Yeah. So what are we doing next week, Miles? So next week we are going to uh, go back to Netflix, who had a original kid centric horror film in 2020. Uh, the year that time forgot called uh, Vampires versus the Bronx. It is about a a couple of kids from the Bronx who are fighting off uh, vampires who are trying to both take over and take out their neighborhood. The uh, the <laughs> the metaphor for gentrification is not subtle, but this is aimed for a younger audience. And do they team up with any vampires on Staten Island? I I wish. Um, <laughs> I, I wish there is uh, a familiar face for some folks. It's certainly a familiar face for me. The head vampire is someone that I know, um, but great cast, uh, really fun uh, kid centric movie that does have a little teeth, not as much as maybe this this week's movie. Yeah, I think in vibe wise, you're 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 probably closer to. Well, no, it's 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 more than Tower of Terror, but I, w- I would put it between Tower and Terror and the Gate in terms of scarometer. Um, I think the director purposely tries to make some scenes not seem as scary, even though the subject matter wise it is um, because people do get eaten by the vampires. But uh, this this is something you can easily access on Netflix. It's a really interesting movie. A lot of fun. Good young cast. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, your take on it. And uh, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, please check this one out. This Netflix, while they do countless things wrong have put out a handful of really good horror for kids films. <laughs> so that will be next week. Vampires versus the Bronx. Did you get that right? Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. I, in- I want to forget if it's versus. Yeah. Vampires versus the Bronx is the full title. 
Uh, so with that said, gang, we're going to end the show right here. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us at themoreyounerd.com, where you can find this and every other episode in our 45-year history recording podcast. Yes, we're recording podcasts back in the 1970s. And yes, they are so groovy. Oh, man. Um, what is what am I doing? What am I doing here? I I don't know. I'm as, I'm I'm sorry, bud. I can't help you there. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. You know what else doesn't know what they're doing anymore? Twitter, uh, where you can find us at the more you nerd. It's not even Twitter anymore. It's formerly known as Twitter, the social media network formerly known as Twitter at the more you nerd. You can find us at facebook.com slash the more you nerd and uh, a couple other places. Blue Sky, if Miles has actually posted there, which I'm not sure he I has haven't. yet. Uh, <laughs> post post your the link to your uh uh i i will i i need to i need to get on that um and of course the best way to get into contact with us is to email us the more you nerd at gmail.com that's the more you nerd at gmail.com we're really good podcasters we're so interesting honestly no the best way to get in contact with with us is to join the cosmic crit discord because drew and i are both on there every single day works boring gang works boring uh, <laughs> and that's where we are going to end. Uh, so, Miles, now we're going to end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd. out. out. <laughs> <laughs>